Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. We are live back on the Duck Gun Podcast. So real quick before we jump into it, guys, I accidentally started recording on, um, I shouldn't say started, I recorded the podcast live on the Duck Gun Chronicles YouTube instead of the podcast YouTube today. So um, this is the intro that I'm recording now. And if you missed it, just jump over to the other channel. Actually, I, I linked it on the community tab here. Um, so if you're wanting to listen to the full thing, I had Tyler on from Weatherby. I talked about all kinds of hunting stuff, mostly waterfowl. Obviously, um, we talked about shotguns. Oh, it was a great episode. So if you want to listen to that, it's linked in the community tab. It's unlisted on the Duck and Chronicles YouTube. And also it'll come out everywhere on podcast platforms. Um, probably like tomorrow or, or today. So, uh, no, tomorrow, tomorrow, definitely. So <laughs> I'm not going to. I might get it done today, but I'm not going to post it till tomorrow. Anyways, I'm getting I'm getting in the weeds a little bit. So, um, first off, thanks everybody for joining me. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles Duck Gun Podcast, and I'm excited for t- today's episode. Um, have Tyler on. Uh, he has a wealth of experience and trips on hunting, so it's really cool to to kind of hear all his different um, perspectives and everything he's got going on from the traveling and and the duck hunting and the big game hunting. So. Um, definitely stick around for that and, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. So, um, but guys, today is when you're listening to this, it's going to be the 31st. It's the day before season. I'm so unbelievably excited. I have, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm fired up yesterday. I had trouble sleeping <laughs> because I'm so excited for season. Um, I'm going to be doing the Iowa opener again for teal and I mean, it's just days away. I was literally packing last night and I can't believe it. I'm literally packing a blind bag right now. So, um, that kind of makes it more real. I'm like, man, I got to pack. What do I need? To, what do I need for this trip? Oh, I need a blind bag. Oh, I need to fill that thing up. So, um, yeah, super cool, super, super jacked <laughs> to get into uh, season. I've been doing all the prep work that goes into it. Um, I've been so busy getting all the content out guys. If you haven't, I'm, I'm stepping back rabbit trails here, but, um, if you haven't seen the YouTube channel, duck and Chronicles over there, uh, I've been pumping out content, pumping out hunts. Um, and just two days ago, I released, um, a video I've been talking about for a while, the chief, the pup introduction video. Um, if you're on the live stream, you see it right behind me, uh, the, the, um, canvas print of chief. So, Super cool. Uh, that video turned out great. The voice actor for it, great. The script for it, great. Um, all the visuals. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it, you really need to check it out. So back to the duck preparation. So I've been super busy pumping out the content. I'm finally caught up. I have content through the week scheduled, ready to go. Um, we got my podcast done, got the YouTube videos done. Last thing, I got a prep for duck season. I got like less than a week before I leave. So, of course, go out there. The boat lights don't work. You got to have nav lights. You got to have um, your floodlight at the front of the boat, all that kind of stuff legally to go out um, into the marshes. So, 
getting that stuff around, rewiring every year. It's like, I swear, I'm cutting wires, splicing, retaping, all that good stuff. Trailer, of course, they don't work. So um, call my brother-in-law, brainstorm with him. He gives me an adapter. Try that on the boat. That works. We're good to go. Um, so I do all the wiring. Need new chains because the chains are busted. <laughs> so it's just like endless and last minute. And uh, I mean, par, par for the course for uh, – for uh, right before the hunt, I feel like every year I'm got way more stuff to do than I got time to do it. So, um, but you know, all for that, I'm just uh, I'm re- I'm rearing to go. I just can't believe we're we're here every year, man. It just you get get you get to February and um, it feels like it's forever away, and then just just like a snap, and uh, we're back to it. So I uh, won't be. It won't be long now. Um, so, guys, I am I'm definitely interested, though, to hear from you guys, uh, to hear what you guys are chasing, whether it's teal, goose, dove. I know we got openers from across the country, and, um, you know, there's there's something to chase, uh, whether it's waterfowl or dove or, or whatever, you know, on September 1st. And so that's kind of the uh, inaugural opening day um, in my in my eyes anyway, of um, when season starts because it's like September 1st and then it's just um, it's just a race for <laughs> for a good long while there. So, um, yeah, yeah, lots lots to do, lots, lots to be excited for. Um, but before we jump into today's podcast, guys, um, we need to give a big thanks to a partner. So, oh, no, you know what? I'm going to talk about the Patreon. The Patreon uh, real quick, guys, Patreon, I'm doing the giveaway next month. Had a bunch of you guys jump in. They're still really good odds. I'll say it's still really good odds, but I had a bunch of you guys jumping in. Um, so I'm super excited to, to see you guys with a chance to win the hunt giveaway. We're going to be doing the drawing next week, and um, we're going to have one of you guys come along with me on a hunt. We're going to go on a cool adventure, whether we're going uh, to UP Michigan, whether we're going back to the Mississippi River, um, whether we're go- going – wherever we're going to find somewhere cool somewhere that works uh with our schedules to to combine it and uh yeah the winner's gonna uh get some of their expenses paid uh we've always been doing around that 400 hundred dollar mark but we'll just see um that that's that's probably what it'll be so it really just depends where you're where you're coming from and and the expenses and, and trying to make it work for you for sure so um definitely if you haven't jumped into it make sure to do that uh, it's gonna be. It's just gonna be a lot of fun. So, um, not only that, but guys, we just really appreciate. I, I really appreciate you in the Patreon supporting the the content, the YouTube, the podcast, all the stuff you see behind the scenes, all the gearing up, all the getting out there, all the long hours editing. I just really appreciate you guys and the support. Um, it means a lot. Definitely helps keep the lights on and keep the content churning out. So, um, I will be like I said. I will be on the road very soon to, to Iowa, but not quite yet. So <laughs> I still gotta, I still gotta pack up and let's just say, I think it's a uh, less than 24 hours. Um, but anyways, let's get a quick word from our partners and we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Weatherby guys. Weatherby is, um, a gun manufacturer. They make rifles. They're pretty well known for that. Um, they're getting more and more known for their shotguns, and I just picked up a really, really cool one. I know I've been talking about it, but I finally got it in my hands. We're talking on, about it on today's episode, but it's the SX, the side by four, the side by side, the SXX 
why, why, why is that a tongue twister? And the S X S there we go. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to be running that for uh till opener for better or worse. I've never sat a side by side, but, uh, Either way, I'm going to look cool while I'm trying. So um, they got the 18i, they got the Element, they got a good selection of waterfowl shotguns, um, and you won't regret going with one of those. So check them out, guys. Um, also, like to give a big thanks to Onyx, guys. Onyx is a great partner for the waterfowl hunter. You got apps right there, on your, the app right there in your phone. You can open it. You can, uh, you know, public land right now. We can see the public land boundaries. We can know where we stand. We can know that we're hunting some something legal. Um, and not have to worry about it when we have Onyx right there. If you're going somewhere out in the boonies, you can download it beforehand, download that map. You'll have all that in your hand. It connects through satellite then uh, to get your location, and then you can see your map that's downloaded even without signal out there and, again, be able to see where you're at. So, And, and if you're going for private, that stuff will be downloaded. You can look at the landowner's information, landowner's boundaries, all that good stuff. So definitely uh, check them out as well. Also, like to give a big thanks to Final Approach, guys. Final Approach is the one-stop shop for the waterfowl hunter. They got camo. They got waders. They got A-frames. They got layouts. They got it. You name it. Uh, they got decoys. All all the good stuff that a hunter needs, they have it. Um, by far and away, I think my favorite product is the waterfowl backpack. It is the best blind bag I've ever had, especially if you like to hike into spots. Um, you can get, you get the gun caddy on the side. You got plenty of pockets. Um, you got the hiking straps to strap it to your chest. Uh, you got some heavy duty buckles you can strap on, uh, your heavy hauler or whatever you got for your, uh, your, um, birds, your game strap. So, um, definitely check them out as well, guys. Uh, you will, uh, you'll definitely be able to find what you need as far as the waterfowl hunting goes. Um, also like to give a big thanks to motion ducks. Motion ducks is a jerk rig on steroids guys. It is Giving you that no, uh, on those no wind days, it's giving you the the lifelike motion. It's giving you the ripples in the water. It's giving those birds confident, those weary birds, those late season birds, um, those smart, educated birds in, in the early season. Any time of the year, if it's not windy, then I'm running a motion deck. So use code DECKGUN2020 um, and you can get a discount over there at Motion Decks. Alrighty, without further ado, let's go ahead and grab Tyler, and we'll jump right into it. Alrighty, guys, on the live stream, appreciate you jumping in here with me for a little bit. Uh, I will let you know again that the um, podcast, I streamed it live on my uh, main channel earlier today on accident, so you didn't see the notification over here. Um, If you want to see it in the community tab, there's a link um, to it. If not, it'll be posted on podcast everywhere um, tomorrow. So, alrighty. Thanks, guys. I will see you. I'm, I got to get packed up, get on the road. So, <laughs> I'll see you guys later. What's going on, folks? Jordan again from Deccan Chronicles. And today I got Tyler on from Weatherby. And I'm excited to have you on. How you doing today? How you doing today, man, Tyler? Man, I'm doing good. It's been a, a busy day. It's, it feels like it's in the office. It's the calm before the storm. I feel like I'm trying to get as much office work <laughs> done so I can just enjoy uh, all the trips that, that I have planned this fall. So it's like the hurry up and wait. And it's like, what can I get done now? So it's been good though. Oh yeah. Yeah. September 1st is like the kickoff like of 
hunting season really that's that's what you know that's what i think of as the hunting season and um because once september first rolls in it's like one just after the other of different things opening and oh man it's it's so much fun and uh i'm i'm right there with you i'm i'm so excited to <laughs> to get out and uh get after some hunting so um but yeah let's uh give an introduction for for people this is your first time on the podcast so first time on the podcast so yeah I am the marketing manager over at Weatherby. Um, I live in Sheridan, Wyoming. That's where our headquarters is. Um, pretty much chase just a little bit of everything. The, the, beauty, the beauty of Weatherby is we have rifles and shotguns. So it's big game hunting. It's waterfowl. It's dove. It's upland. So it's all the stuff. Uh, me personally, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from uh, originally from Missouri, central Missouri. Lots of good waterfowl hunting, good whitetail stuff. Um, I always kind of had that itch to move out west and see what else is out there. Um, but yeah, I really just grew up hunting, deer hunting with my, my dad kind of got me started in it. And then I think one of my, my brain kind of flipped to birds. And then this is my segue into how I got into waterfowl hunting is in middle school, started turkey hunting and just that, that interaction between birds of like back and forth, back and forth. And I think that's why I like elk hunting now today too. So the connection of like being more than just hidden like being a part of the landscape. Right. So as I progressed um, into college, met a bunch of buddies. I, I used to shoot for the shotgun team at Mizzou. And that was kind of my introduction to waterfowl hunting. Cause there it's like, we shot all day and then it was like, okay, let's go kill some stuff now. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. That's a, a cool way of getting into it. I know, you know, whitetail hunting uh, is definitely a more uh, popular form of hunting you know as far as like by the numbers i think there's like 11 million active whitetail hunters and there's 800,000 duck hunters and it's like we can use yeah. we can use as many duck hunters as possible you know so i know some people worry about the overcrowding and all that there is issues there but like as far as like you know strength in numbers and having a voice on conservation or political issues it's like we need as many hunters as we can so you know i got to give some white tail guys some crap here and there but we'll take as many of you guys that want to jump over to waterfowl as possible <laughs> so uh but exactly. your day job That's over what, there too oh go ahead white tail hunting is what got me started and now i i waterfowl hunt 10 times more than i than i white tail hunt i feel like it's <laughs> only just a few times a year that i maybe get out in the white tail woods and it's it's you know 20 30 days on the waterfowl side so awesome Awesome. Yeah, I can, I'm right there with you. I, I go out there long enough to like shoot, uh, a deer for the freezer and hopefully it's, you know, hopefully it's just one time, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on that scale. So I'm sure most people are trying to get like a decent buck kind of thing. Um, but I do want to, you know, on your Instagram, man, I follow you over there and it always seems like you're doing something exciting, whether it's uh, for work or, or just, uh, on the hunting in general. So it looks like you got, uh, a pretty sportsman filled life, which is super cool. Yeah. There's no shortage of trips from again, like being able to do, you know, from the personal trips to then also, you know, a lot of like gun manufacturers really specialize in one thing, but being able to do rifles and shotguns, um, I'm kind of that elected shotgun guy. So it's fun to get to do all those trips, whether it's personal or for work. So, I know I got a, a bunch of them lined up for this year, and it'll be a real good mix of big game, kind of some adventure hunts, and then waterfowl <laughs> for sure. Awesome, that's uh, that's super cool. Um, it's a uh, it's kind of crazy how many how many things are out there as far as like hunting and different like different 
different types of things, different uh, um, ways to hunt, different habitat from, you know, from, I haven't, I haven't hunted out west at all yet, but, you know, just, just kind of seeing it. There's just like, I feel like you could live a lifetime of hunting um, and you just wouldn't hit them all. So. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that's one of my draws, like kind of my next chapter of waterfowl hunting is hunting in like these unique places. Um, Sometimes I feel like people might get caught up where it's like, or maybe the people who don't understand waterfowl hunting kind of get caught up in where it's like, oh, a mallard's a mallard and they all kind of look the same unless you get a band or you get something like this. But I've really kind of grown to appreciate and really I'm interested in like where you can hunt ducks. So it's like the difference between hunting in, you know, the Midwest and a marsh versus a cornfield in Kansas. Um, I'm going to try my hand this year at some sea duck stuff in Kodiak. Um, so there's just these like amazing different landscapes that just in styles of hunting that like, that's kind of my next chapter. I feel like of, of waterfowl. hunting. Right. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Every hunt's different. Every flock of birds different. It's uh it's, it's always exciting. Uh, but I do want to, I want to hop back a little bit to kind of where we started. I, I don't think I've had very many guys on from Missouri. So I'd like to talk about that. I've heard some good things about, um, the state of Missouri and in their fish and wildlife department and how they handle the duck hunting and, and all that. So, I mean, how does, how does Missouri, uh, do as a waterfowl state? Yeah. So if you're looking for like public land hunting opportunities, it's, uh, it's changed a little bit with COVID. I'm not a hundred percent sure how they're doing it all right now, but yeah, there's a ton of wa- like waterfowl access areas where they have the, I don't know if everyone has experienced this, but they have like the draw room where you have to like go to these places. Like I don't want to spot burn anything, but you go to one of these conservation, (laughs) like managed conservation places and you're pretty much playing the lotto with your buddies. So that's how I got started is like you'd roll up, roll out of bed super early and and try to go like, Hey, am I going to go to class today? Well, it really depends on what number you pull over the hat. So (laughs) when you get a lower number, um, there's only so many what they call pools to, to play. And, you know, the lower the number, the better seated you get. And if you pull a high number, you, you go home that day. So, or you're looking for a, you know, a public access that doesn't require that. So yeah, right. it's a, it's pretty, pretty diverse. Everything from, you know, I've hunted, you know, layout boats to, you know, just a walk-in area to a lot of field hunting. That was kind of my, my favorite thing was doing a lot of the geese hunting in a field, finding a good feed and then either a frame in or, or uh, layup lines. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. It looks like uh, you guys have a lot to offer in the waterfowl category. Um, but you know, as far as like your draws, like what percentage, I know that in Indiana, we don't have like a ton of the fish and wildlife areas. And um, so there can be days where you don't even draw. So is, is it similar to that in Missouri? Like what's your yeah, very similar. Rate? I think there might be, there's probably 10 to 15 really good areas um, to that have that same system. And I know during COVID, I only did it once or twice because it went to an electronic draw. So you would know ahead of time just because of the craziness of like, you know, getting a hundred duck hunters in a room super close. I guess that was not, that was frowned upon <laughs> during COVID, but, um, yeah, there's an opportunity. There's a, there's a potential that you're not going to get to hunt that day for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. That's uh, and going electronic, I can see the issue with that because then it's like, you don't even have to take the effort to drive there. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't weed doesn't weed anyone out. So, I mean, it's right. a lot easier when you know you're going to draw. Obviously, if you has have what they call a reservation because there was always a certain percentage that you get what you call a reservation and you know you're going to get to hunt. Um, right. 
But it's a lot harder to roll out of bed when you're like, man, is this the third day in a row that I might not get to hunt? So, um, yeah, we were we were blessed. I'm from central Missouri, so we had one that was super close. And if you went on a weekday, you'd have pretty good odds of getting in. But weekends, holidays, uh, you're playing the lotto at that point. Right, right. So do they do they have like free roam public land areas or is it just Yeah, there's, there's plenty of good opportunities like that too. Um, a lot of it is, um, you know, how much gear do you have? I feel like waterfowl guys are gear heavy. So oh, yeah. um, some of those really good spots, I, I had a... I don't, I had a fat boy DP, um, for, for a few years when I lived in, lived in Missouri and being able to hunt on a layout boats. Um, or if you're, you know, hunting big water, you get, you know, there's opportunities to hunt big water and then the Missouri river. Um, there's a lot of different styles of hunting. So definitely plenty of opportunities <laughs> on the public side. Nice. Nice. I, I always feel like, uh, when you have like States that are neighbors, like, uh, growing up and I'm going to make some of my Michigan buddies, mad but like anytime like there's a bad driver my dad would say they're like a michigan driver right so because through the state directly north of us they're the closest one to us it's like a common thing right you're just like whoever's not from your tribe you know (laughs) so it's like they're michigan drivers but i feel uh that there's like a similar kind of uh tension between like kansas and missouri waterfowlers just kind of from my like a little bit of uh time talking to both of them. So which, which state, if you had to pick one is better? Oh man, that is a loaded question. Cause I'm a Missouri guy through and through, but <laughs> it is nice to get those couple extra honkers. I mean, you had to put in a lot of work to only have three Canada. So when I started, you know, the, the traveling side of getting into, uh, you know, going West in that central flyway, um, uh, it's pretty hard to beat. Um, just more when you when you it's not so much the pile right but it's the more opportunity in the sense of more right. flocks more of that so i man this is a live recording right so but i would have to say kansas would probably be i would probably go with kansas on yeah the so, so more opportunity so there's there's another debate that i've been having kind of uh, on and off uh through the years and it's like what type of scenario breeds the best waterfowl hunters and like you got to have enough opportunity but also you have to have enough struggle. Like if you're somewhere where it's so easy that like you always have fresh birds, there's a big migration, you just stand out there. You don't have to be good at calling, you know, um, and you can kill your limit real easy, right? You're probably not going to be as good as someone who has to really work for it. So which state breeds better waterfowlers? Missouri, oh, Missouri for sure. Yeah, it's definitely Missouri. <laughs> um, again, there's just, there, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to hunt with a lot of buddies who are really good at calling and always push me to want to call. I just, I feel like when you get into waterfowl hunting and you have like a really good crew, you want to, with waterfowl hunting, you feel like you want to bring something to the table, especially when you're a younger guy and you're like, oh, I got to make sure I have some decoys or I've got permission on this field. And I feel like that breeds like the straw of being able to door knock, you know, for me, I was a local guy in college. So I always, we always had like a good spot. So it's like, man, I got a couple of good spots and, you know, over the years kind of pushed me to want to call better. Cause I feel like there's nothing worse than when you're just the guy that shows up and you don't have, don't have the decoys. You can't call, you don't have a dog. You don't. So I feel like it always pushes you to be better when you're hunting right. with a good group of guys too. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My always go to saying with that, it's like, it's like, what do you bring to the table? Like, what kind of value do you, you want to be a high value, like duck hunter and like, yeah. what value do you bring to the group? Like, how are you going to get the call to go when there's the last spot available in a group? You got to bring some, you know, 
bring some value value. So yeah, it is, it is important to have all those things, especially in waterfowl where it's like, you know, it's, it's a group, it's, it's a group effort and group hunt, group hunt. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And then just be, you know, with some of those, you know, management spots, I feel like it, it really taught me when it comes to hunting is that you just got to go and get out there. So like you had to go and draw, otherwise you're not going to get to hunt. So always being that friend or that guy that says, as long as you can, you say yes. Right. So um, there's right. nothing worse worse than like you show up and you're like, where's our fourth guy? Because for a yeah. for a group draw like that, you have better <laughs> odds if you have four people. So oh, yeah. and you can only hunt yeah. parties of four. So it was you don't want to be the guy that didn't show up or overslept oh, or or did any of those pro- those things. So yeah, that's the last time you get invited, right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I know like with you moving out West and, and, uh, everything you, you do a lot of big game hunting and, um, I mean, I'm, I'm making you take a stand on a lot of things today. So <laughs> you are, you're like, Hey, <laughs> you're, you're really small tomatoes here. So no, it's cool. I like it. Yeah. So me and my buddy talk about it all the time. He's a, he's bigger, a bigger whitetail hunter than I am. And I'm bigger duck hunter than, but we get together and we hunt still, um, through the year, maybe like 20% of the time or something. Um, maybe not even, but like. A, a lot of years, like if he doesn't shoot a white-tailed deer, you know he's not he's not hunting until he gets that. He'll he'll skip out on some good duck hunts until he gets that big buck. And once he once he's done with that, he's you know all gung ho. So he talks about when we talk about it, he's always like, man, the adrenaline dump from like going after one big mature buck compared to like shooting like a limit or like multiple hunts. So like how like since you've started doing the big game hunting. Um, like where does it fall like on your priority level as far as like waterfowl and big game? Like where are you at on that? Oh, okay. So this is a, this is 100% a loaded question, but I will say it's really nice here in Wyoming. There's a lot of opportunity for both. You know, I guess I think one of the rules is when you move to Wyoming, you're not talk, supposed to talk about how nice it is, but I'm going to talk about <laughs> it real quick. Um, with the big game hunting, a lot of the seasons in Wyoming, like, or over in that mid-October to early November. So I do put a lot of time and focus in that, you know, September 1st into, you know, November on the big game hunting. And then after that, it's like when waterfowl hunting is really starting to get good in different places. I feel like that's how I've been able to balance in the sense of like, I'll pick one or two good, like big game tags and I'm going to go after those pretty darn hard. And the more I can do in preparation and maybe August, um, to be successful quicker. I just like, that means that I get to go to bird hunting that much faster. So, um, yeah, there, there's not like this weekend I'll be chasing some stuff with a, you know, we're weather, I'm a Weatherby guy, but I'll be chasing stuff with a bow. So it's like, I'm, I'm not above the opportunity. So <laughs> that's, I don't know if that actually answered your question. Yeah. But I think yeah. You're, that, you're that on the fence. Is, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. I'm on no, the no. fence. I'm 100% played. I gave you the little, you know, the little sidestep there, but I'd say whatever season is on, that's the one I'm in. And I, I just like that because I'm just being in, it, it keeps everything fresh, you know? So, but uh, there right, are times right. when I'm like, man, I could go out and do some early teal, teal hunting. <laughs> um, but I've kind of sacrificed that half of the, the waterfowl side to, to, chase some horns so sure no i mean if i was in wyoming and had that opportunity i I think it would be a tough tough choice it'd be very intriguing to like step into that world but where i'm at it's like ah man like uh waterfowl still the game in september or or like early dove you know i guess it's not early just dove season just dove. (laughs) 
Oh, but yeah, no, if I wasn't living in such a game rich, uh, like environment with like long seasons in general, um, you know, the way, like when I was living in Missouri, it was much more heavily, heavily like weighted towards, you know, waterfowl hunting, especially since, um, when I lived in Missouri, I had to travel so much. So being out here cuts out those week long travels or having to take vacation because I'm a lot closer uh, to some of those experiences. So um, that's kind of how I justify that I don't have to take as much time off being out here. So nice, nice. So all that being said, you know, like what what trips? You know, let's just let's just uh, narrow it down to three because I know you you got a, a pretty trip heavy schedule. But uh, what three trips, including big game, do you are you most like looking forward to this coming? So season? in a week from tomorrow, I'm going to Alaska. And I'm doing a moose hunt. I've never been to Alaska before. It's kind of a DIY (laughs) um, welcome to Alaska type experience. So, yeah, that's like uh, flying into Alaska, driving several hours, getting on an airboat, and then being dropped off in the middle of nowhere for 10 days. Um, That trip's going to be fun. Whether we see a moose or don't, it's with three good or two other good dudes. And I think that's just going to be like like an adventure. So I'm excited. That's probably number one. Number number two is I, I am lucky enough in November to do a Kodiak trip as well. Um, so I've never been to Alaska, but now I'm going twice. But there's going to be a heavy heavy focus on sea duck hunting. So we do oh, wow. have some some black tail a black tail tag Kodiak this last year reduced tags on deer from like three to one for non residents, which oh. I was like yes because we had uh, the the friends that I was able to book this through. It's like, man, that means it's going to be like four days of sea duck hunting. So I'm really, really like pumped about that with, you know, uh, you know, opportunity to kill a harlequin and some, some eiders and scooters or scoters and and all those birds that I've never even seen before. So, yeah. And then thirdly, um, man, I, there's just, I'm just going to wrap in a kind of my waterfowl tour this year because it's, it's going to be fun to get to hunt with a bunch of different people. I think actually the, if I had to narrow down on my waterfowl, the number one I'm excited about is being able to hunt Arkansas. I've never hunted Arkansas before, just like growing up as a kid with like, you know, Arkansas timber, good dogs working. Um, I got a few friends that I'm going to go down there with and, and hunt with. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great list, man. That's going to be a, a fun season. It'll keep you on your toes all the way through, but um, yeah, yeah what, what do you have? What's, what's your number? Give me one or two ones that you're looking man, forward like, to. I, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. So it's like, <laughs> I keep it, I keep it pretty crazy. Uh, and I keep it a, a lot front loaded really, because, um, I do on the channel, I, I started doing a series calling called the chasing yep. the opener. So, yeah. um, that's something I'm going a little bit even crazier this year with it. Um, but I'm starting out September, um, and early teal, which I don't include that in part of my chasing the opener series, but it is opener. So we're out there. I'm lit- I'm leaving. I'm packing up tonight, going to work, and then leaving from work in the truck and just heading to uh, to Iowa. And we'll be ready. We'll be uh, at the, we'll sleep at the spot and and get right after it. So early teal is always nice. fun. Um, and then, but you know, big duck starts not too long. Going to Minnesota for uh, their duck opener. Um, then I'm swinging up to, um, so I'm going back home and then I'm swinging up to North Dakota for their non-resident opener. 
staying there for the full week. Then I'm heading back on my way back, which is really not on my way, but I'm leaving <laughs> North Dakota and going to Iowa, hunting Iowa's opener. Then I'm going back home. Then I'll go up to Michigan for Michigan's opener. Uh, then we got youth opener and I'm hoping to get my nephew as long as that all works out um, and get him on a, a youth hunt and then back home for Indiana opener. So <laughs> yeah, you're going to be just all one place. long. Oh yeah. It's one long uh, trip through there. So, but probably it's, it's really hard to say. Cause and I that's got just, really that's just fun through October, huh? Hunts. Right. Right. Yeah. That goes to the end of October. So it starts yeah. mid, like middle of September or end of September 22nd. And then to the last weekend of October. Nice. So five, five weekends in a row. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a little crazy, but you know how, you know how opens are openers are. I mean, it's like a tradition. Like some people, I feel like central flyway people almost like frown upon and here I am like kind of <laughs> dividing the lines again, but they frown upon openers cause well, I, I don't know. It's, it's different. And then, um, you go somewhere where the opener is like part of the tradition, right? It's you getting up, getting up, you're at the boat ramp, you're doing your midnight run, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's like, it is more crowded and yeah, we do have to sleep in the boat, but it's just part of the, the fun and the tradition. And like, I wouldn't want the whole season to be like that. Um, but I really do enjoy chasing the openers. I enjoy that part of the tradition of waterfowl hunting. Um, and then later on I'll get to more of those, you know, uh, shooting birds in wild places alone. Um, out there in the boonies. So <laughs> yeah, that's my some, stance of my, anyway. some of my favorite people are the hushing guys and their little motto is you only get so many opening days. So you need to leave <laughs> it up. So that, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You're right. Right. So yeah, that's a definitely. So point. with some of these openers, is this, this is your second full year chasing the openers, right? Um, no, I've done it. I've done it for quite a while, but every year okay. it gets like a little bit more like, you know, when I first started, it was maybe like three openers and now, yeah, it, now it just yeah. keeps expanding. Have you, have you found challenges of like, just like saying, Hey, I'm going on this opener. How, maybe walk me through some of the challenges of like having birds versus weather. Um, right. So, sometimes I've, I've found, you know, just in my experiences, sometimes it's hard to hunt when you can or when you have planned and not to hunt when you need or when you should be hunting, right? There's always that sure. mix up of like, you can plan a good, good trip, but it's like also like, man, maybe you should you know, think to like take these days off when it's like, these are the days you need to be hunting. Right. So with my, with my chase in the opener, I think the, it kind of sidesteps that a little bit because I'm hunting in areas where there's uh, a breeding population. Sure. So yeah. your ducks are already going to be there, right? And it's earlier in the season. Like you do run into that when you try to make like a trip in like November. It's like, well, have the birds migrated through yet? Well, or have the, you know, or what kind of weather are we having? Um, like we did a big trip um, to Kansas a, f- a few years ago. And, you know, big trip, bunch of guys, Airbnb, all the flyways guys. And um, then it was like just no birds. I mean, I, I should take it back. Really, really stale birds. There was birds they were educated. They're on the refuges. They were nocturnal feeding and you could go and stand in like a, a public land marsh and nothing. You'd see barely anything all day. And then you'd walk out and before you could get back to the truck, I mean, it was like a duck tornado coming in there and they're night feeding. So there is, you know, uh, times where you run into that and, uh, you, you, you do have issues if you just pick a date on the calendar instead of like waiting for a front and, Okay, man, there's a huge front coming through South Dakota. Let's well, you can't do it in South Dakota, but whatever state you pick a state that you don't have to apply to, 
um, Missouri. Oh man, there's a huge front Missouri, yeah. Missouri. Yeah. You know, just head over there, you know, and, and hunt the, the front, right. Even if you're doing it local, you know, those are the days you want to be able to call off work, uh, if you can, but opposed to like only being able to hunt on Saturday, you can run into that, to that locally, but no, to like answer your question, like, you know, um, a lot of these places, I don't, I've never been there. So I just go a day early. I, I do a bunch of Onyx scouting on the map, drop pins, drive around, um, and usually by then you can get a pretty decent hunt, but you're probably still not going to know it as well as like a local who's just going to drive to the same spot he's been hunting for 20 years and shoot his limit while you sit over there and you're scratching some out, but you're not, uh, not I always. Think, man, that right that might be eggs. my favorite thing to do though. The, you know, when it is a bit of a struggle, but you do just pick somewhere on a map and you're like, I'm oh, going to learn this area. And you know, by day two or three, you start figuring it out. And it's just really rewarding. I had that kind of experience last year where we picked dates on a calendar to go to Kansas in December. And this place did not have the birds. It had some birds, but not the birds. And, uh, man, it was fun. It was like day one, kind of was like, ooh, I don't know if this is going to be very good as we're driving around scouting, putting so much, you know, you know, miles on the truck. But by <laughs> day two, then day three, and then I think on the lot, you know, that day three or four, I remember I think my favorite part of that entire trip was we killed some ducks and, you know, had some good opportunities, but it's like we were not getting any geese to work. And all of a sudden we had one three pack. We just got to break off from a, like a migrating group. And it was like that, that was like the win. And I'm like getting excited right now because it was just like that whole trip. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden there's just that one, it only takes one bird to break to like change a trip. Right. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier at the beginning, like how there's so many things you can do and so many places you can, can go with waterfowl hunting so many different styles and you can't, you can't do it in a lifetime. Um, like no joke. I honestly believe that there's, there's enough places that you couldn't do it in a lifetime of, of traveling around and, and doing it. So yeah, we do pick uh, a, like a spot like that. And it's super rewarding. Some of my most, most rewarding hunts in my life have been like, we're going to a spot, we're going to figure it out. And, uh, my buddy Elliot, he always, the way he explains it is like watch or like seeing a, a marsh breathe or watching a marsh breathe. Oh, I'm going to yeah. have to <laughs> ask him what the exact words he means. But like, if you go and you hunt in a marsh, maybe you hunt like all day, um, in a spot you've never been to, and you can really kind of see how the birds use it, how, how everything's interacting with the marsh. And you're like a part of it when you're in there for, you know, like a 24 hour period. And so like, we'll go on a hunt like that. And we had one, oh man, this is probably about four years now. We went into a marsh first time we ever hunted it in the morning. We just weren't in the right spot, but we watched the birds. We readjusted by the evening and we set up and we shot our limit, you know? And then we went in there in the next day and, and had a really good shoot too. But it's just like, you don't see that. Like we were, I think we we're in the marsh for like, like 30 hours, you know? And then we came back out and, you know, <laughs> slept in the truck for like four hours and tried to be the first boat back in there the next day. But, oh man, it's, it's just so much fun. So definitely. Well, let's change gears a little bit now. Um, definitely want to talk about Weatherby. Um, and can you speak on like the history of it? Because I know they are known for like their excellence in, in rifles, but um, not too long ago they started adding shotguns to the lineup. So you know, maybe talk on the, the history of Weatherby. Yeah, for sure. So it was uh, you know founded in 1945 by Roy Weatherby. So cool thing about Weatherby is it's still a third-generation family-owned business. So I guess you could say my boss is Adam Weatherby and Brenda Weatherby. They come to work every day. So it's kind of a little bit different 
than most, you know, even big, you know, any kind of honey uh, company nowadays just seems like they're owned by a big, you know, conglomerate or investment group. So pretty unique that Weatherby's still family owned. Uh, but yeah, invent or founded in 1945 by Roy, Roy Weatherby. He just wanted a like a newer solution. He wanted to go, he wanted cartridges that were fast and hard hitting. So he really started out as a wildcatter because he wanted to find something new. Um, so, you know, over his years there, then he, we, he developed the Mark five action, which was designed to be the world's strongest action. So Weatherby was kind of like hung their hat on, you know, the Mark five and it's, you know, we make Mark fives here in Sheridan, Wyoming today. It's one of those things that's going to, you know, stand the test of time. Um, but, yeah, well, you said that you that we just added shotguns not too long ago. Like, little unknown fact is whether he's been, you know, selling shotguns for over fifty years now. So, it's really, everything from yeah, everything from you know, really started with some you know higher quality over and unders and and things of that sort. But here in the last couple of years, we sell just as many shotguns as we do rifles. So it's been kind of cool to see awesome. the transition. Um, and oh, man, I'm really excited about our shotgun lineup in general. I'm sure your 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 guys, your listeners are you know hunters of all sorts, but you know on the shotgun side, that's what gets me excited. There's just so many things that we're doing in in the future of Weatherby shotguns that gets me excited. So awesome! No, that is super cool. And as far as the listeners go, I mean, this is the Duck Gun Podcast, so we got a yeah yeah, yeah. we got we got to make sure that we're talking shotgun, about shotgun stuff. So shotgun lovers know, on, on it, this on this. It's awesome. We got a sure. couple of different lineups. Uh, so just kind of like a brief overlay of how you know the Weatherby kind of for you duck hunters that might not know about Weatherby is we have our 18i lineup, which is our Italian made um, shotgun. So we have we have partners in Italy to you know keep that quality control. We're, uh, we like to say, so we do like manufacture Mark 5s and Model 307s right here in Sheridan, but we, but our partners are in Italy. So we like to say that Weatherby shotguns are endurance tested and field proven. So um, the design started with us and it goes through this crazy long rigorous testing uh, period to make sure that this shotgun that we bring to market is of Weatherby quality. And our partners over there are just really top notch. So we have our 18i. Um, you shoot an 18i Deluxe in a 20 gauge. Uh, that that's one of my favorite on the semi auto. I had it here to, um, to show, but it's like, yeah, it's an awesome gun. Yeah. So our 18i's, and and then we have our Element lineup, which is more of our price friendly, do all workhorse shotgun. Both shotgun platforms are inertia driven, and you know with an inertia platform, we we enjoy the inertia because it's cleaner burning, or uh, cleaner cycling and cleaner burning in the sense that it's a lot easier to maintain. Um, and it's a little more reliable than a, you know, a gas operated one where it's a little bit dirtier. And when you have a malfunction on an inertia system shotgun, you can usually fix it yourself versus a gas could get a little tricky. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. awesome. And, uh, did you, did you mention the S, the S, the S, I haven't. So, um, so those are our semi options. And then we have our over and under called the Orion series. So we have our Orion over and unders. And then we just recently launched our Orion side-by-side. So years ago, Weatherby was producing side-by-side. So this is kind of our first um, kind of throwback Here, shotgun. Keep, keep talking. I'm going to go grab it real quick. But keep Okay, it's, it's pretty – oh, so it came in. That's awesome. It's pretty darn cool. So just while he's grabbing that, it's a, you know, a real classic design. It's got like a straight English stock, double triggers, um, really minimalist uh, splinter foreign. So just – when you grab that shotgun and you point it, it points to right where you were, right right where you want it to go. So it's just a really traditional shotgun. 
Um, and man, it shoots well. I've shot a lot of shotguns over the years, just you know, either shooting for Mizzou and then you know, even here at Weatherby, we get to do a lot of product testing. And I don't think I've shot a shotgun better than that twenty gauge Orion. So side by side, nice. <laughs> Dude, this is one bad mama jammer right here. <laughs> yeah, it just feels good. And there's so, man, I'm gonna do a couple of like timber duck hunts with with those. Just that old school feeling. There's just something about a side by side that. Man, maybe growing up, I thought like so I was like, oh, side by side, that's outdated, and maybe I wouldn't use that. But now, when you just shoot one, it's hard to put down. And then you add it being with some modern shot technologies, you know. So a lot of the older shot uh, side by sides wouldn't be able to handle our steel shot that we shoot today. Um, so it's right. kind of cool that it's all rated for you know everything from TSS to steel shot to just regular lead lead loads. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I actually plan to hunt with it um, in Iowa for opener. I was like, man, is a 12-gauge side-by-side a little overkill for teal? Because when you think about it, it's like, man, that'd be good for like a honker or a mallard. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> is it a little overkill? I'm like, nah, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so, fun. And uh, I, I also like, so uh, some of our over our, our Ryan over and unders is, you know, a lot of those are kind of, you know, for shooting clays and stuff. And those have ejectors. Those have extractors. So when you open that up in the marsh, it's not going to shoot your shells crazy far. Um, I kind of like that, especially when I'm either upland hunting or I haven't used this guy in the marsh yet. But I, I have like two hunts in mind that I'll be using some sub-gauge stuff. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it's a, when you say it's an injector instead of a – or say that again? No, it's, a, it's an uh, um, extractor. So like when you extractor. open it, uh, ejectors would like shoot your shells out. Right. So these just like pop up a little up, bit. You can, you can just pull them out. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You got a, do you have a, a, a choke combination suggestion for me if I'm taking this out on a till hunt? I would make sure. Uh, so it kind of depends on your setup, but a lot of people over choke. So keep it pretty open, man. That's, that's, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what you have in your there, arsenal, right? but I'd probably go. I'd probably go. Uh, I'd probably go skeet and then a modified. Okay. On, on one okay. barrel, I went, and I, I and I would always have that that modified on what I'm going to take as my second shot, if that makes sense. Okay. So that right. front trigger shoots your right barrel. I typically with a 12 gauge on double triggers, you shoot that rear rear trigger first, and then you transition to huh. the front. Yeah, helps really? with your it helps with your recoil and the management on a 12 gauge of where that because the trigger guard. You got, you got to think of the trigger guard there. You're fitting two triggers in there, right? So sometimes on right, larger, right. larger loads, if you shoot that front one, you'll get your knuckle on the trigger guard. So, um, okay. okay. So That's back one first. Yep. Front one then second. Front so one. I, I did the exact opposite. I'm like, man, why do they got these backwards? And I put a, <laughs> I switched the tube, the tubes around, and I put the front one as the right one because it made sense to go front to back, but I'll, I'll switch them back. Yeah, no, right and, now, and you can definitely, uh, if you're shooting a 20 gauge, I just always recommend on a 12 gauge, shoot that back to front. I could be totally wrong. There could be some traditionalist uh, <laughs> side by side guru that knows more than me. And that's going to be like, Oh, that Tyler Green doesn't know anything. So, um, you should nice. shoot comfortable. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll figure it out, but I put it in there. Cause I was like skeet. Maybe that's a little, yeah. um, it's a little too wide open. But maybe not. I got improved cylinder and modified is what I was. Oh, yeah, you'd be fine. That. Any any of those depends like your setup. I always 
the, the more I get into the shotgun, and it also depends what shot you're using and all that good stuff. You could there could be a million different combinations, but you, I'd say you'd be sitting pretty good like that. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, are you on a, a tight schedule here? Do we? I I am. I do have one that I should probably get to. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, well, I, I knew this coming pro- into it. So. I, I just feel like we need to. Maybe we should do another one of these towards the end of the end of the year as sure, well. Sure, sure, definitely. Yeah. No, I'm 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 glad we got to jump on, man. It's been a it's been a pleasure. I have, I have it's one a, question. One last question. Yeah, go for it. So I always like to ask, what is your bucket list duck hunt? What what's on the you know maybe the five to ten year roadmap, or what is one that you're like, man? There's one day I'm gonna do this, <laughs> but but just hmm. maybe throw that to me. Right, right. You know, um, man, I've had so many ideas, but I think that Alaska would be super cool. Um, it doesn't have to be sea ducks. Just Alaska in general would be cool. It's a wild, wild place. Um, way more, you know, way more space, um, way less people, which is kind of cool. Um, Arkansas timber. That's actually, I can't believe I still haven't done it, but, um, that's, that's on there too. Um, and I don't know. I, I would say probably those two are, um, most bucket list. Uh, and then, you know, out West, I haven't done out West yet. So, and, and I got buddies that have gone to like Idaho or, you know, the hunt out in Washington. And, um, there's just, it seems like, um, out West kind of gets overlooked, believe it or not. I don't know why, but people always talk about like the dream States, like central flyway or like, you know, or if you're talking about like, we just said Arkansas and the Mississippi flyway, you know, stuff like that gets talked about and has a ton of tradition around it. Um, but then it's like, man, there's so many, so much waterfowl uh, and opportunity out west, and it, it really get it gets overlooked, I think, um, by the the freelance DIY hunters for whatever reason. Maybe it's the the distance that uh, gets people away from it. But those are those are on my list for sure. Nice, those are two good ones. I think my two, other than I mean, I'm going on a couple bucket list ones this year, <laughs> but I think like a really crazy. Pacific Northwest, like Widgeon Hunt, would be amazing. Right, and then uh, a hunt that like is totally redheads. I, I've just never been into a red like redheads a ton, so it's like I think like someone who knows what they're doing, and this is like, hey, this is the spot that you need to be for redheads. That's where I would like to be. Right, redheads are awesome. T- a great tasting diver too. So yeah, definitely. All right, folks. Well, we're going to jump off here. Appreciate you guys jumping on and, and listening to us. Thanks for jumping on, Tyler. It's been been a lot of fun um, hearing all your stories and, and sharing that with us. But uh, I think that's a good place to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Tyler from Weatherby, and we'll see you guys on the next one.